How's everybody doing this morning, huh? Man, you sound good. You look good. Man, that sunshine, it agrees with you. I'm telling you, look at you. You look so non-white. Good for you. Good for you. Hey, my name's Craig, and so if this is your first time here today, I am the pastor, and so you're stuck with me. Um, I'm glad you're here. I really am. We start a brand new series today called Stuff My Dad Says, um, and so I can get in a lot of trouble here. I'm going to try not to. Uh, dads, we are known for our dumb dad jokes, are we not? And nobody else understands this, but we know we're hilarious. We know we're hilarious. The other day, my son invited over a, a friend of the uh, opposite sex, of the female persuasion. And before she arrived, he said, Dad, no, no dad jokes. Don't embarrass me. It's not your job to embarrass me. And I said, I know it's not, but it's a perk, right? I mean, come on, it's a perk. Anybody, and you earn that perk. We enjoy embarrassing our kids. Now, I had a great dad. My dad was an amazing man of God. He gave me fabulous advice. He was always giving me good advice, um, full of wisdom. I mean, he was just really a godly man. I, if you didn't have a, a good father growing up, you can borrow mine, okay? He was just a, a great, great guy. But he would also keep me humble. Um, all the way back, like I still remember seventh, in the seventh grade, I was in the band. I was, yes, I was in the band. I played trombone. Come on, show a little love, a little love. In the band, my dad used to always take pictures. He bought this 35 millimeter camera and he had it hanging around his neck all the time. Yeah, he was that guy. Just, he didn't care. People make fun of him. He's just like, what? What? Man, got my camera. And so he'd take pictures of everything. So he comes to my, my seventh grade band concert and I'm, I'm watching because I'm waiting for the flash. You know, that was back when everything was the flash. And it never flashed. I was going to smile, you know, like, Right? Ready? And it never flashed, and I noticed my dad didn't take any pictures, and then we get in the car and driving home, and I'm like, Dad, you didn't take any pictures. He's like, son, nobody needs to remember that. <laughs> Come on, some honesty, right? Just keep, it's like, you're right, Dad, nobody needs to remember that. Oh, my goodness. And, but he also gave me some, uh, some relationship advice, some love advice, um, let me just look at the crowd for a second. This might offend you. If it does, welcome to South Point. Um, he gave me, he didn't give me a lot of relationship advice, but he did give me this one pearl of wisdom. And so uh, you can take it, leave it, pass it on to your kids. He said, son, love is like passing gas. If you have to force it, it's crap. Come on. Come on, that's solid advice, isn't it? Some of you will get that one on the way home. Um, <laughs> that's my dad. That's my dad. Now, aren't you glad today we're not talking about my dad's advice and not talking about your dad's advice? We're talking about the big dad's advice. We're talking about our heavenly father and the advice that he gives us and the things that he shares with us in his word and the things that he speaks to us on a daily basis. Um, and so today, here's what I want to do. I actually want to... Uh, just kind of enter a summer mode here, and I want to share, I want to retell a story that Jesus told to us, all right? Now, if you are in church, familiar with church, you have probably heard, I, I guarantee you've heard this story. Um, if you're churched up, you call it the story of the prodigal son, 
Okay? How many have heard that, that phrase? All right, it's the only time in the world that the word prodigal is used. The ironic thing is prodigal is never used in the Bible, no, nary, not once. Um, it shows up in there as a title of this story in the King James Version. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so I'm going to tell the whole story. Verily, verily, I say it. No, I'm not. Um, so it's in there as that, and I really think that's kind of messed us up with this story for, for centuries because... It's not the story of the prodigal son. It's the story of a father and his two sons. And it's actually the story of the father and his two sons and the advice that he gives his two sons. And so Jesus tells this parable, and if you don't know what a parable is, real quick, a parable is a story. It's not true, okay? It's, it's a fable, if you will. That's where we get the word parable. Para come alongside of. The truth will come alongside this this made-up story, and we'll learn things from it. So Jesus is telling the story. Y'all tracking with me so far? It's just a parable, okay? Um, but here's the way the story goes, and you guys have probably heard it. You can probably tell it better than me, but I'm going to tell it anyway. So if you've heard it before, just kick your feet back, drink your coffee, and smile real big. There was this kid. There was this young guy, two sons and a dad, and they're working. And one day, they're working really hard, and one day the young son, he says this. He's, he gets this idea. If you've ever been a young man, you get these crazy, wild hair ideas. Anybody between the age of 16 and 26? Yeah. Anyway, he says, hey, we got all this stuff. I want my inheritance now. I know, I know. I'm supposed to wait until you're dead. That's loving your dad right there, isn't it? But, but uh, you're not dead, so why don't you give me my inheritance now? And the dad, even though that was very insulting to him in that era and that time and that culture, he was a gracious and a blessing God and so a father. And so he said, okay. So he divided up the inheritance between the two sons. And don't miss that because it comes into play later in the story. They both got their inheritance, all right? And so the, they work, a few days go by, a few days pass on, and then finally the young man, the money's burning a hole in his robe. You know what I'm talking about? And he's like, man, I, I, I can't stay here. I got too much money and I got too much fun to be had. So a few days later he says, Dad, I'm out. And he chooses to go and to separate himself from the father, but the father doesn't choose to separate himself from the son, but the son chooses anyway. And the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, that the son goes, and stop me if you've heard this before, just kidding, you can't. All right, so Jesus tells us that the son went and that he spent all of his money on partying and wild living, and there's a nice little Greek word in there that says extravagant living. So my man was living it up. You know what I'm talking about? Think of a young teenage boy with a whole lot of money in a foreign land. <laughs> Enough thinking about that. So he has all these parties. He spends all of his money. He ain't got nothing left. He's broke. And at the same time, Jesus tells us that there a famine hit the land. And not just a famine, but there's also a recession. So he had no money, and he couldn't just go out and get a job, even though he needed to, because when, when you got no income, all you got is outgo. Eventually, you got to outgo and get a job. You know what I'm talking about? And so he tried to get a job, but he couldn't because there was a recession in place and the famine. He finally conjured up this job of, of feeding these hogs and feeding these pigs. Let me pause. Has anybody here ever fed pigs? I have. It is, and you will agree if you're raising your hands, it is one nasty, nasty, nasty jobs. And so that's all he can get to do because nobody else will do it. And so he's feeding these pigs and he's feeding them. And you know, he, you know he's messed up when he thinks to himself, man, that looks good. 
not the bacon on the hoof, but the food in the trough. He's like, man, even the pig slop looks good. And then in this moment of the greatest despair, he has a revelation. He, he comes to himself and check this out. In the Bible, in, in Luke 15, 17, he says this. It says this. When he finally, when the young son, when he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired servants that work for my dad, even, even the slaves, the servants, have food enough to spare. And here I am, dying of hunger. I'll go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. In this moment, get this, he realizes that he hasn't behaved good enough to stay a son. He realized that his actions and his behaviors have switched his identity. And the only way he can go back to dad's house is if he sees dad and becomes a servant to dad, not a son to dad. He changed. He took on the identity of what he thought he deserved. Let that sink in for a second. He took on the identity of what he thought he deserved. I see a lot of people in the church where they get to that point where they're they, they got saved, right? And they become a son of God. And they're like, woo, I'm a child of God. And all they can do is they ruminate and they remember the, the latest sin that they did or the latest bad choice that they did. And they get in their brain, they get in their brain that, man, I've done this. And that's all they can remember. And so the only way I can come back into the house of God, I, I'm no longer able to be a son. I'm no longer able to be an heir. Now I have to come back in as just a lowly little servant no longer a son. Let me tell you something. I have a son. Enough said. Did you know I have a son and he's my son not because he earned his way to be my son. I have a son because he's my son. And because he's my son, he acts in a certain way becoming my son. You know what I'm saying? And you say, well, then if he doesn't act like your son, then what? If he doesn't act like my son, then we're going to have a conversation. You know what I mean? We're going to have a conversation. But that doesn't mean just because we have a conversation and correct behavior, that doesn't mean it negates his sonship. He's still a son who just made a bad choice. Are you tracking with me? Check this out, Galatians 4, 7. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his Come on, God has made you his heir. Are you here this morning? Are, are you awake this morning? God, you're not a slave, you're not a servant. You are God's son. You are a child of the king. That is amazing news. So the story goes on. So the son comes to his senses and he says, okay, I got this whole speech planned out. I'm going to go and I'm going to find my dad. I'm going to go back home and I'm going to tell him I've sinned against you, right? It was in the scripture. I'm, I sinned against you and I've sinned against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be your son. Allow me to be your servant. So he goes back home and Jesus tells us that the, the dad sees the son a long way off. How does he, how does he see him a long way off? There's only one way because he's waiting for him, isn't he? He's watching, and he probably sees him all the way at the distance. Maybe the sunlight is outlined, and he recognizes, that's my boy. And the Bible says that while the son was still a long way off, 
the Father ran to him. Listen, it doesn't matter how far you've gone, God only needs one stumbling step towards him, and he will run after you the rest of the way, okay? So the Father looks at him and runs after him, and I can just see him wrap his arms around his son and probably spin him around in just this excitement of, my boy is back. He's back, and he sits him down, and when he sets him down, the son starts into a speech. Father, I have sinned against you and against heaven. I am no longer worthy to be your son if you will just allow me to be your servant. And the dad doesn't even listen to what he's saying. Why? Because the son was speaking out of an identity that the father did not even know. Because he should be speaking out of the identity of his sonship, not his slaveship. Because he was never a slave, he was always a son. Doesn't matter what he did, he's a son of the father. That's better news than you think it is. I don't even understand. Okay, look at this scripture. Um, see, let me say this before I even read the scripture. I make jokes all the time about, and I, I think you know their jokes, things like, well, if you lie, you know, you're a sinner, you're going to hell. Remember, I, come on, I say those jokes all the time, right? Okay, whatever. Anyway, so I make these jokes all the time, but you need to understand, they, they are jokes. Maybe I shouldn't joke about that. I don't know. Yeah, I probably will anyway. Get over it. So, um... <laughs> I make those jokes all the time, but listen, are you going to mess up? Yes. But if you got saved, if you've accepted Jesus Christ into your heart, if you've allowed him to transform your life, then let me tell you something. You are no longer ever a sinner. You are a son that makes mistakes. You are a son that has done something wrong or made a bad choice, but your choices do not negate your sonship. Don't switch identities because Jesus Christ died to make you a son. He died to make you an heir. And you have more going for you than you realize. I'll read the scripture. Luke 15, 22. But the father said to his servants. Okay, so the son says, I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven, blah, blah, blah. And the dad doesn't even. even, (laughs) I love that in one translation, it's even dot, dot, dot. Like the the kid just kind of trails off like. Dad's not listening at all to what I'm saying, right? Dad totally ignores the son in this planned speech, and the father turns to his servants. Come on, quick, hurry, hurry. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this Oh, come on, don't miss it. This vagabond, this sinner, this this rebellious young lad. No, 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 come on. This son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So, come on, the party began. Let, Let me summarize this for you. Some of you think that you have run so far that you could never be captured once again and put back in the position that you know you deserve to be in. You think that your poor choices and your blatant disregard for the things of the Father have categorized you at the very best as a second-rate, low-level Christian. But the Father says, you can't run so far and you can't sink so low that my arm can't grab you and lift you up and restore you to where you are supposed to be. And the world tells you, the world says, you're hopeless, you're useless, you are a useless bag of flesh. You're going to make the same mistake over and over and over again. You will never amount to anything. And you've actually started to believe it. You believe that the slop that you're in right now 
is the best you're going to get. You say things like, well, this is the hand I've been dealt. This is the life I got to live. And you come in here from the world getting all beat up. And you come in here to the Father's house hoping just for, for a morsel of peace, maybe for a, a crumb of encouragement. But let me tell you something. The Father tells you, you ain't coming in here for a morsel or a crumb. You get to put on robes of righteousness and pull a chair up at the table of the Most High King. And recognize and taste and see that he is good and this whole party's for you. That's really good preaching. You came in for a crumb and he's put before you a feast. You want to slip in the back door and not be seen because you don't feel worthy. And he says, I'm not looking at your worthiness. I'm looking at the worthiness of my son, Jesus Christ. And you're wearing his robes of righteousness. So go ahead, pull a chair up and feast on the good things that I have for you. Don't you ever let the world tell you you ain't nothing because you're somebody's kid and his name is Jesus. All right. Okay, let's move on. So let me, give you, let me give you all that. Let me give you some good dad advice. This is the dad's advice, what my dad said. This is what dad's, his advice to the young son. Here's his advice, fill in the blank. Don't give up on yourself because I've not given up on you. Don't give up on yourself because I haven't given up on you. And if, if, you're, if you're only into the prodigal son story, then that's where the story really ends. The rest of it's just kind of like wrapping it up. But it's not, again, it's not a story about one son and a dad. It's about a dad and his two sons. So they, they get the party going, right? They get the party started. They got the line dancing going, got a little boot scooting boogie going on, and everything's happening in the tent. They're eating the fatty calf. It's all that in a bag of chips. And the oldest son comes in from the field, and he hears the music, and he's like, that's my jam. What's up? And a servant walks by, and he's like, hey, Who's the party for? What's going on? What did I miss? And the servant says, bro, you're never going to believe this. Your brother's back. What? And your dad said, kill the fatted calf. The party is on. you got to come in here and party and celebrate because what? The guy that was lost, he's found. And the older brother said, I will not be a part of any party for that rebellious reprobate. I'm not going to go in. And it got so bad that finally the dad, don't miss this, the dad actually came out to the older son and, and tried to get him to come in. Look at this, Luke 15, 28. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and... I would encourage you to find any other place in Scripture where the father begs for us to do something. He says, pray for this. He says, do this. But I really can't find any place where the Heavenly Father, which is who this is symbolic of, begs. A, if we're just going to peel back the symbolism, I can't find any other place where the Heavenly Father begs a good Christian person to do something. Let that sink in for a second as I move on. The Heavenly Father, the Father came out and begged him. But the older son replied, listen, Daddy-o, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. In other words, I have followed all the rules. I have worked really hard. I have done everything you've asked me to do like a what? Like a servant. 
The older son, this is so messed up, the older son who stayed home, who is a son, is acting like a servant, while the younger son is a son who tries to change into a servant to get back into the father's house, and the father's not looking for anybody to be a servant. He's got enough servants. He's looking for what? Sons. After all these years, I've saved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Wah. Wah. Now, let me, let me ask you this. Why did he think he had to, have to, had to have his father give him a goat? What did he get at the beginning of this story? He got his inheritance. He already got everything that was due him. He already had goats and sheep and cattle and everything else. And on top of that, he's still living in daddy's house. He's a millennial. I mean, he's got everything. <laughs> I'm just funning with you. All right, he's got, he's got all of it. The reason he was asking because he was still thinking, not like a son. A son just takes what he needs. It's already his. He's thinking like a servant and a slave, and the father's not looking for servants or slaves. He set all of us free so that we could be sons and enjoy the benefits of being sons. So then, then the, the older son moves the attention to, the, to, the, to somebody else, because that's what we like to do, isn't it? The, the next verse he says, yet I did all this, right? I'm good. I'm amazing. I'm fabulous. I follow all the rules. But yet when this son of yours comes back, not my brother, not my family member, not the member of the same house, not even distant Uncle Ralph, who we all ignore. No, no. This, this son of yours, after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. And just so you know, isn't it interesting that the older brother says that he spent his money on prostitutes? It's nowhere else in the story. That's not even in the Greek what the younger son did in the very beginning. It says he spent his, his money on wild parties and extravagant living. And in case you didn't know this, you can have wild parties without prostitutes. <laughs> At least I've been told that. I don't know. Wait, that sounded like I did. Never mind, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I haven't. I mean, I haven't. Okay, all right. You, so you, <laughs> now I'm all sidetracked. All right, so you can have wild parties without prostitutes. So here's what happens. The, I, the, the longer you're in church, here's what happens. When we allow this mindset, it's a Spiritual mindset, a self-righteous, religious mindset that wants to, is exactly what the older brother did. He got so involved in how awesome he was. I followed all the rules. I woke up early and read my Bible. I prayed 30 minutes a day, and on Saturdays, I prayed 60 minutes a day, and I went to church every single Sunday. I did all of these things. And then when we turn to other people, we want to not only point out all their faults, we want to add stuff to it because it helps vindicate us and make us feel better. And so the older brother is turning all the attention, trying to make himself feel better and trying to defend who he is when he's already a son and he's just not realizing. So there's a problem, right? So the older son is doing everything right and has zero joy. And then the younger son appears to do everything wrong, yet he has a party thrown for him. So dad's advice. Luke 15, 31. His father said to him, look, dear son. You have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. Let me just pause there for a second. If you're a follower of Christ, realize something. The Heavenly Father just said, 
everything I have is yours. Everything I have is yours. Name something that God is lacking. He's not. So when we're lacking something in the kingdom of God, let me tell you something. Why? Is it because you're still approaching God from a slave mindset and a slave identity? Or are you stepping forward in the authority of your sonship to say, Father, give me this, I need this, open this up, do this, bless me. Is there anything wrong with it? No, it's part of being a son and asking for those things. God said, everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Here's your dad advice for the second brother, the older brother. Dad says, buddy, you got to keep the right focus. Lost focus, not found focused. Get, 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 get focused on the lost. Don't get focused on the people that are already found. Don't be focused on the people that are sitting around you that already know Jesus, that already love Jesus. No, no. Focus on the ones that are not yet here. Focus on the ones that are lost. Let me ask you another question. If the son was gone, if the younger son was gone, and the father is standing out there waiting on him and sees him a long way off, why is the older brother not standing with his father? Why is the older brother not standing right next to his dad saying, today's the day, dad. I feel it. We've been praying for this. I just believe I got faith for this. This is going to happen today. Why weren't they both there running after the son? Because the, why? Because the, oh, I'll ask it even if you weren't going to ask it. Why? Because the older son knew the rules of the house, but he didn't know the heart of the father. He knew the rules of the house. He could follow the rules. But let me tell you something. The rules are for servants and slaves. The heart is for a son. I think this has been one of my things, I think, forever. I think we get saved, and I mean that in every biblical, churchy sense you can come up with. We get saved, and, and it changes our lives, which is <laughs> that's great. And, and we start doing this church thing, and we might even get into worship now and then. We might be like, whoa, whoa, that was a good song, Katie. Whoa, high five. I like that worship. Well, the worship wasn't for you. It was for him, but whatever. All right, so we do this church, and we do this worship thing, and, and, and we, we get different. And then when we get around people that are far from God, and their poor choices and their bad decisions at work, at school, in the community, their bad choices and their bad attitudes affect us, don't they? They mess us up. They mess up our community. They, they make it a little more difficult. And here's what we do. Christian after Christian after Christian, and I am throwing stones at myself because I have to constantly correct myself. We stand over here with the older brother where we, we want to separate them, judge them, point out all their faults, complain about them, because let's be honest, people far from God are annoying. They just annoy us. And when we start doing that, guess what? You're standing alone because that's not where the Father is standing. The Father is standing there looking way off saying, come on, this is the day. They're going to come. Oh, I know what you see is a bunch of junk and a bunch of bad attitudes, but I am still hoping and believing that somebody will pray for him, that somebody will stand next to the Father and say, come on, Sister Sally at work, she's the terror. I hate her to death, but man, she'll be so much better if she'll meet Jesus. And our mindset and our vision, our focus needs to get off the found. Let me just challenge you. Who are you praying for? 
Who, who annoys you so much and you know that they would be so much better if they would find Jesus? Or have you gotten to the point where it's just easier to separate yourself from them and go back to working the fields like a good little Christian? Or are you willing to just take a little bit of a risk and stand next to the Father and hope for the hopeless? Love the loveless. Reach out and make a difference in somebody else's life. And when they make one stumbling step towards the Father, don't judge them. Don't hurl stones at them. Run your Christian butt out there and wrap them in your arms and say, I've been waiting for you. I've been waiting for you. I have a friend, um, Brandon. He's actually sitting right over here. And Brandon uh, plays in a band in different bars. I've told this story before, but I just I wanted to tell it again. Um, he plays in some different places, plays drums. Why he doesn't play here, I don't know. But whatever, that's another story from another time. Um, but he met this guy, him and his wife, and invited him to church years ago. Weekend after weekend after weekend, hopeless, loveless, people that are not connected to the church at all, people who don't have Christ at all, and just weekend after weekend, praying for them, inviting them, talking to them, in, in, in that environment, speaking life into them. Come on, man, you can do this. You got, you know, I'm just speaking life into them. And then eventually, eventually, I think it was like, I think he can correct me later, I think it was like two years or a year and a half, two years later, not giving up, standing there, looking far off. People that are far from Christ, hopeless, but not giving up. Standing there saying, no, no, one day they're going to come over that hill. They're going to make one stumbling step towards the Father. And when they do, I'm not going to be so caught up in my little Christian world that I'm going to miss something absolutely amazing. And they did. They stumbled over that hill. And they came. They gave their lives to the Lord. They're getting ready to get, they're on the volunteer team. They're getting ready to get baptized when we do baptism. Brandon's going to baptize them. It's going to be a party up in the house. Why does he even get to be a part of the party? We all get to be a part of the party if we'll just lift our eyes to the hill. Who should you be looking at? Who are you talking to? Oh, it's summer, Craig. That's a lot. I don't care. I really don't think God cares if it's summer, spring, winter, fall. I don't think he matters. There's souls in every season. Who do you work with that's annoying the mess out of you? That's a really good way to figure out who the Lord's put on your heart. If they're the last person on your mind before you go to sleep, guess what? Pray for them. I hate them. Pray for them more. We all have something to do. What advice do you need to take today? Are you the older son or are you the younger son? Because dad's got stuff to say to both of us. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment? Heavenly Father, I love you. I thank you that you are always speaking words of wisdom to us. I thank you that you are always speaking to us. And I thank you for this advice. I thank you for these words of wisdom where we can correct our lives and we can see what's going on. And so, Father, I just ask that you speak to us right now, this morning. Still praying with your eyes closed? Just take a minute. Where are you in this 
continuum of your spiritual walk. Are you lost? Are you that, are you that younger son? You are way out there. Come on, take a step forward. Stumble forward into the kingdom. Or are you, you've already been here and you're, you're, you chose to leave and now you're, you're here just hoping for just like a, a little crumb of encouragement and you need to realize that you are a son of God. Or are you that older son? You've gotten so caught up in your Christian world of doing everything you're supposed to be doing, but failing to realize that God has put you and placed you with people around you that are far from him. Heavenly Father, no matter where we are, no matter what level we're at, no matter what sun we're at, who we are, Father, I just ask right now that you strengthen us, that you give us the courage to stumble forward, you give us into your arms, you give us the strength to start praying and believing for souls to be advanced in the kingdom of God. Those people around us that are annoying, that are jerks, that need to change their behavior and their attitude, Father, thank you for those people in our lives. Give us the words to pray for them, Give us the things to do to serve them so that they can see your love and your generosity. We love you, Father. We thank you for this moment. We thank you for what you're doing in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, um, wherever you are on that scale, um, if you're feeling the Lord do something in you this morning, listen, there's people down front on both sides that would love to pray with you, that would love to connect with you, and um, they are here for you. Also, if you feel like you're that person that is far from God and you want to stumble back into the kingdom, and I say stumble because sometimes it's not very pretty, is it? Sometimes it's just kind of like we've kind of fallen wherever you are. If you're ready to do that, you can come down front. These people would love to pray with you, connect with you, and help you find this man named Jesus Christ. All right? Stand with me, if you will. All right, let me pray the benediction and we will jet out of here. Heavenly Father, we just ask right now that the words of our mouth, the meditations in our heart, that they'll be acceptable in your sight. You're our Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Have a great week, y'all.